This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Catherine Salamanca. Catherine is an American entertainment artist who is an actor, author, podcaster, vlogger, blogger, comedian, celebrity interviewer, and social media promoter. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you kind of uh, diversify in all of those kind of creative, uh, you know, directions? And how did you kind of get started? Yeah, so I am a bipolar and I have anxiety and ADHD and PTSD and BPD, which is borderline personality disorder. So I have a lot of mental health issues and uh, always had them. I was born this way. And uh, I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking a lot uh, back in the early, you know, 20s and 30s, et cetera. And uh, three years ago, I decided I'm going to try out recovery. And I've been in recovery for mental health and addiction for three years. And the reason why I did recovery is because I got arrested and I went to jail. And the judge said, either you do 10 years in prison or get some rehab. So what do you want to do? That's how I got here. Yeah, that's that would be a easy choice for most people. And then some of obviously those creative things that I've mentioned, is that kind of um, therapeutic for you as well? Is it the things you're interested in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the entertainment artistry, the, the acting, com- comedian and, you know, author, everything has come from the recovery, from being sober and, you know, uh, minded sober minded and things like that uh because when i was you know doing drugs and drinking i didn't care about anything so when i got sober i decided well i need to do something with my time right because i'm not passed out all the time so uh i started honing my craft which was going i went to john casablanca's uh acting school, which is, you know, you know, it's the only thing I could afford. <laughs> and I went to a station theater improv school for comedy. And so I've been, you know, practicing and going to school and studying this craft. And with everything going on, I guess, with, uh, with COVID, some of those things are, you know, live arts. Uh, how is that kind of have had you pivot into obviously the podcast you can do it anywhere and obviously we're in two different locations that you can kind of pivot to zoom or another platform squadcast or you know remote uh recording in terms of the acting and comedy how is that impacted and how have you kind of pivoted well it's been really difficult with uh luckily um so i'm last year i finished up a movie. The title is uh, Bad Bitch and it's a short indie film and it's premiering in October coming up. And luckily we wrapped it up and before COVID. So it, it was actually supposed to be released this year in March, but then COVID happened. So it didn't get released. So I was able to act uh, before COVID hit. Now, now that it's been after, obviously it's been almost 
it's been impossible because what, 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 how am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to act through Zoom? I mean, I'm doing it right now. Like I'm acting like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a normal person, which I'm not, I'm totally crazy. But, uh, you know, and then the comedian part, you know, some people do comedy Zoom, but it's really just not the same. So it's really difficult, right? That I can't act, I can't do comedy stand up in the clubs and uh, on the stage. So, but here's the thing, because of it, because I haven't been able to do that, I have been able to hone into my online craft, which is being a social media promoter for business professionals, for podcasters, and for authors, and for whoever is interested in being promoted heavily in the social media world. So that happened because of being indoors. Yeah, I think uh, there's been a big pivot with that and a lot of organizations, companies, Fortune 500 companies that are now reevaluating what, you know, work is and where you can work. So companies like Twitter, Facebook, I think have extended, uh, you know, work from home fully to like 2021, 2022, and then a hybrid model. Because I think before that, a lot of companies thought, you know, if we let people work from home, they're not going to get the work done. They're not as productive. And obviously, when something like this comes about that you don't expect globally, you know, you see how people can pivot and, and react to that and really, you know, elevate who they are and oftentimes even be more productive at home as well. Absolutely. And also, a lot of people have families and children. And so, before COVID, it was like always work, 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 being out of the house. The, ki- the kids, children were not being uh, properly taken care of of some of them you know uh, around the world and uh, they were being actually neglected and things like that so because of covid we've all had to kind of stay indoors and be with each other and uh, spend time with each other get to know each other and things like that so i actually think i try to look at the positive of every situation no matter how negative you know it has been so you know, I think a lot about the families being reunited and the uh, the children being with their parents because the parents are now like working from home. And like you said, uh, I've become more productive at home because I'm forced to stay at home. Yeah, I agree. And uh, my wife and I are foster parents. So we've had four boys under the age of six during this whole COVID thing. So me personally have had to adapt in terms of recording schedules and interviews really revolving and being dictated by their nap time, not nap time and bedtime. So last week they finally, where I am, went back to daycare. I mean, daycare's here where I am in New Jersey, opened up like three weeks ago, but we wanted to give them a chance to see if they can streamline their process of keeping the kids safe, if they have, you know, all the right precautions and stuff like that in place. So, but yeah, a lot of people are actually getting closer and it's how you look at it. You know, a lot of people have lost their jobs or laid off furloughed. So it's a great opportunity to possibly pivot and something that you may have been passionate about or something that you may have always wanted to do, but really never had the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then like, for example, my husband was furloughed at the beginning too. And so we were all very worried because he was the main bread. He was the only breadwinner, to be honest, at that time. And so that really just brought me into like, well, what can I do? What can I do online? Um, I've been trying to do online work for a long time, for many years. But because I had the acting and the comedy and the outside of the home, 
things that I could do, I wasn't really concentrating on what I could. But, you know, in um, COVID, I've written two books that I've published. And that's in like, you know, that's because of COVID. I wouldn't have done that had that not happened. Like if I wasn't like, you know, stuck in indoors, it would not have happened. I would not have, I've taken courses from Harvard. Harvard uh, was, I don't know if they still are, but definitely were offering free online tutorials, classes with modules, homework, you know, it is the whole gamut. And uh, I took a, SEO class. I took a digital marketing class. I took a network, a network advertising class. It was just like amazing. And I'm just, I was just like, I can't do it. I get sad. I get sad a lot because I mean, I I miss being outdoors and seeing my friends and hanging out. And I I certainly do get sad. And and I'd be when this first happened, I thought it was the end of the world, and I freaked out. And my panic attacks, my anxiety, like, went through the roof. And I was like, oh, my. And, and I had to call people. They had to calm me down. I mean, it was, you know, it was really serious. And then, but now I'm just like, well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, what can I do? I can't control it. So I'm not going to worry about it. Yep. I think it's like, obviously, like making the best out of the situation. So sometimes there's things beyond your control, especially when you're trying to achieve something or what you're doing in life or the cards that you're dealt personally or professionally. And you just have to make the best of it, learn from it, you know, make light of it and use that to power you and channel it into something positive. Absolutely. Um, did we just talk something about, um, was it with you? Could have been with somebody else. And I'm sorry if it wasn't with you, but uh, something about being a first generation American. Yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah, I'm a first generation uh, immigrant from Ukraine. Okay, and I'm first generation immigrant from Colombia, South America. So that's kind of cool. Um, actually, one of the first languages I learned was uh, I was born here in the States, but uh, I spent my childhood in Colombia. So I actually learned Spanish before I ever learned English. And when I came back from Colombia, when I was like eight years old, I didn't need to speak a lick of English and I had to go to school. And, uh, you know, I had a hard time. And uh, but then I learned some English and then I took French and then I lived in Italy. So I learned a little Italian. But, yeah, um, I remember that. And I rarely ever talk about my heritage. And then and then so this is interesting. And then um, my last name is a city or a town, actually, and a university in Spain. So before, the, before my ancestors were in Colombia, they were from Spain, from what I understand, I think. I mean, it makes sense to me. That's my last name. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I think that, you know, it adds a kind of a, an extra grit. I mean, it's a little different also that you were born here and then went back there and then learned Spanish and then went back again here and then learned English. But, you know, when you're young enough, you can pick up those languages and have those kind of uh, neurons not like connected yet in terms of developing your brain. So you're so young and you're learning those languages because I came here when I was five. So if I came here maybe when I was 15, 16, 17, I would still be fluent currently in in English, but I would retain that accent because my brain was already programmed in Ukrainian as my primary language in that sense. Cool. What uh, what kind of um, 
other than podcasting, what kind of fun stuff do you like to do? And I'll tell you some of my hobbies that keep me busy, that keep me out of trouble in indoors. Um, well, I mean, the the benefit of what I, I have a digital marketing agency. Uh, I started in digital marketing, funny enough, in the last big thing. So I had to pivot into digital marketing. I couldn't find a job in the 2008, 2009 recession. That's when I kind of graduated college and, you know, there were no jobs. So I kind of got an opportunity and ran with it. Other than that, I kind of fell into podcasting. I always wanted to do it. I probably should have got into it maybe five years earlier, but kept telling myself that, you know, there's too much involved, like technology wise, how do I host it? How do I distribute it? How do I promote it? And all of that, when you really get into it is, you know, pretty easy if you're passionate about it. Absolutely. Okay. So I would tell you when I started podcasting, but first I'm going to tell you my hobbies. Like I said, I was going to. So some of the things that keep me busy for the people that are out there that are like, what do I do? What do I do with my time? First of all, I, everything I get is from Amazon. So I got this henna tattoo kit and I do like henna tattoos on everybody, on myself, whatever. But I also do like, can, this is a girly stuff, but you know, it's okay. Um, candle making, I like burn candles and then I put in another jar with a wick, you know. It's actually pretty cool because like it's, there's a lot of colors involved. And then um, or, origami is another new one that I started doing. So these are all kind of things that keep me busy because like I said, I have a lot of anxiety and and even though I'm on pharmaceuticals, you know, I'm, I'm on an antipsychotic and a mood stabilizer and all that, it still doesn't mean that I'm cured. I still have my moments where I'm like, you know, out of this world. And then I'll tell you about, um, I started podcasting exactly a summer ago. So last year, I think it was in July, as a matter of fact. And I just did it. And I started on Anchor because, you know, it was free, you know, it just started. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. So I started, I was just like, because I like the sound of my voice. That's it. That was it. So I did it by myself. And, and I was I would talk about gratitude, acceptance, anger, what it's like being bipolar by myself. And then I started taking my iPad and my iPhone um, over to my friends. And I was like, hey, let's talk about this. And then let's record it on this podcast and see what happens. And Ever since then, now I have like 85 episodes, you know, in, in, in a year, you know, but I didn't start podcasting for reals for reals till COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the perfect opportunity. I mean, I I did it like non-consistently before I switched over to an interview format. I switched over to an interview format in March of 2019. I think I switched over to an interview format because the prior uh, of February, the prior month, my grandfather passed away that I was close with. So he was kind of my main male role model. And there for me, like really for my whole life I'm up until then. And I think uh, during kind of the natural grieving process, it was one of those things that helped me cope actually. So I think I actually did it because uh, I was naturally prior to that working from home and remotely in terms of what I do. So it was like, you're left to yourself, to your thoughts, obviously. Oftentimes they go into a direction that's not necessarily positive or you get down and you get depressed, especially a loss of a loved one. So when I switched over to that and started interviewing people, you know, the conversations went into loss and different, you know, illness and, you know, and seeing people suffer and grieving for certain things and experiences similar to mine. And that helped me kind of cope and get through that, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because my grandmother, um, she is like 95. And 
she raised me. Remember I told you I was sent like to Colombia to spend some time there. She's the one that raised me until I was like eight. And uh, so she's still alive, you know, but <laughs> there's that time when she ain't going to be alive. And I'm just like, man, how am I going to, you know, take it? How am I going to take it? Like, how is that grief going to really hit me? So it's like you said, she is like, you know, you know, the, 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 the backbone of who I am today, if it weren't for her strength and her personality, I wouldn't be the cool chick I am today, you know? So, and, and like you with your grandfather, right? Like you, you're the cool dude because he's, he was a super cool dude as well. So, you know, as far as grief is concerned, they do have some grief share um, groups that people get together at like, um, at a building, sometimes it's church, but it doesn't have to be church. Like I'm not a religious person. I'm, I'm very spiritual, super spiritual, like universe, nature, you know, energy, stuff like that, but I'm not religious. So, but they have grief share for people that have lost loved ones, like children, people have lost children. They go to grief share and things like that. So if you ever feel not you, but just for like people out there, do you ever feel sad, lonely, you miss somebody that you love dearly? Um, yeah, please don't go the negative route. You don't have to go do drugs. You don't have to go shoot up heroin. You don't have to go get drunk. Um, just go to a group of grief share and cope with other people that share your same uh, feelings and emotions and sadness. And it's okay to feel feelings, even if you're a dude. Yeah, I mean, it depends also on the culture you're from. So some uh, some cultures are like super masculine or the way that like that society was let's say brought up so ukraine was under the soviet union so in eastern europe uh, men and women don't necessarily show emotion like as openly as in the u.s so like i can be there be somewhere be super happy and still be kind of stoic not really showing it that much but inside i'm happy whereas it's just kind of like the culture like a cultural norm yeah. Do you think, okay. Yeah. And that makes it interesting, um, uh, you know, topic because you're right. A lot of uh, the Americans are a little bit more open with how they feel, which is great. But do you think that in your culture, uh, y'all have been changing things or is it pretty much just the same from like generations past? It's, it's, I mean, the, the people, I guess here, so people that immigrated here from my country, I think the next generation, like me, yes. Uh, you know, I don't think I hear my grandparents, my aunt, my mom really ever share or when I'm talking to them, they're like, you know, I'm sad or I'm upset. It's just, you know, super factual. Like, how are you? What are you doing? You know, how's how's the kids? That kind of stuff. It's never like, you know, sharing emotions. And even growing up, it was really never like that up until, you know, when I got married, I got married that somebody is, you know, from America. So, I kind of had to work on expressing myself a little bit better also. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that makes for interesting conversation because, you know, be, uh, like I said, I've been in recovery for three years, which means I've been in a 12-step program learning about not just my emotions, but other people and being more empathetic and compassionate and things like that, right? Now, I am... Um, innately a very prideful egotistical narcissistic person that is just obsessed with myself but the recovery program has taught me that i need to step outside of myself and think about other people and how they feel and how i may be 
uh, upsetting them, not on purpose, but just by my expression or how I, how I speak or how I act, or I could just be upsetting someone and I need to worry, uh, not worry, but um, think about, is that really the way I want to express myself, even though it might upset somebody? Or So because I used to be like, I don't care if it upsets you, I'm going to be me. But then um, I realized that was getting me nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Like you attract more honeys, uh, more bees with honey, right? It's true. So I actually consciously started being nicer, like consciously. I even have podcasts about it. I'm going to start being nice. It's titled. Uh, not too long ago, it was probably about three months ago because of COVID. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I was like, I'm going to try to be nicer, like consciously, like I'm going to. I'm going to not cuss so much. I'm not going to say so many bad words or any at all. I haven't really said it as much. I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to be more, I'm going to listen to people. I'll be more compassionate. And let me tell you that karma has come back full. Like, you know, I've gotten all of this like positive. So now, now I'm all like, let's be kind and no bullying. And I'm, I'm totally anti cyberbullying and, bullying in general, but, you know, um, I'm like really pushing the, the nice and kindness agenda, you know, cause it works like it works for me. So, um, what were we talking about? I feel like I got off track. I mean, sometimes it's good to get off track though. I mean, I've had interviews where I've been on a business show and since I'm a foster parent, 40 minutes and an hour, uh, interview, it was about my experiences as a foster parent, but the conversation kind of needed to go there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love using, here's the thing. I love using my voice, my platform to um, um, help and encourage other people. You know, there's a lot of people out there suffering. They're just like, they got so much anxiety or so much sadness, so much depression, so much whatever they might be going through grief, you know, and um, I just want them to know that, first of all, you know, they're not alone. We're all we're all suffering. Every single one of us is suffering. I don't care what they say. Ain't nobody perfect. Ain't nobody super happy all the time, you know, and so um, that we can be more if we could be more open, honest, and transparent and authentic about those things, I think would really bring a lot of um, goodness into the world because I came from a generation of culture, my grandma's culture, of don't say anything, be quiet, keep it a secret. It's just between us, you know, and it was even silly things like, like uh, I would go, like her and I would go to my aunt's house <laughs> and my, my grandma would grab something from the fridge and give it to me. And she'd say, but don't tell her your aunt that I gave this to you. Like, that's like the silliest thing in the whole world. Like, <laughs> you know, so anyway, um, I'm like anti that. I'm like, let's tell the whole world everything we can possibly think of. Let's be open and honest with each other. Let's use our, you know, our voice and our podcasting community and whatever media community that we're in and let's you know really make a, a a change or an imprint or a you know just something just something yeah i agree if you have a platform you might as well use it so and and, and you know i um it was it was brought up to me yesterday of like you know 
where did you get the courage to talk about your mental health and your recovery was the question. And the answer is, look, if I don't talk about it, I'm going to go crazy inside my head and, and, and do something really bad. Like, I have to talk about it. And then I consciously made the decision about a year ago that I was going to go public. Just in general, I'm going to go Facebook Live. I'm going to go Instagram Live. I'm going to go YouTube. And then even Snapchat, just everything that I can possibly be able to do, you know, with whatever little, you know. And so a year ago, I started my campaign of going public with the acting and the comedy and this and that and this and that. And now it's like it's turned into this like, um, you know, wonderful thing that I have a platform. Yes. Are there trolls? Are there naysayers? Are there critics? Sure. You know, I just don't pay attention. I don't, you know, just, that's another thing. That's another thing that uh, I wanted to mention is like, um, you know, don't worry about your haters. I say this all the time. Don't worry about them. They, uh, you know, they're probably just, uh, you know, low, you know, they, they may be a little bit jealous, you know, and so, you know, just, I love my haters. I'm like, you know, hey girl, what's up? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. That actually, that's just, what motivates you to succeed? Well, um, what else is there? I mean, I've already been to, to, to jail. I've already been homeless. I've already, you know, been like the low of the low. I mean, I have nothing but up from here to go. It's like um, what motivates me is um, my spirituality, uh, my husband of 13 years, um, ha- growing my platform is important to me because I want I want to be able to um, reach more and more people because I think that um, my uh, message is positive, you know, the mental health, the addiction and the recovery is, you know, is, is very, very much needed. And I mean, I was diagnosed in 2007. So it's not like I just hopped on the train recently, <laughs> you know, no. but uh, what motivates me is, you know, my, my own mother, uh, when I was like, uh, from 10 to 18 years old, my own mother would tell me she, okay, at the time, she was very lost. And, up, and upset herself so she would tell me things like you will never you know you're she would say you know you're fat you're ugly you're stupid and you'll never amount to anything type of thing you know I would be so basically I've been that's where the PTSD comes from the I've been emotionally psychologically mentally verbally abused you know um by the very person that's supposed to what take care of you and protect you, you know what I'm saying? So that I could come from that um, and be happy, successful, free, joyous, you know, really I think is is what's needed to be heard in the world today. So that that motivates me to succeed. Just just not so much being like, look, look, I did something with my life because she, look, look, she'll never, she'll never be proud of me no matter what I do. Okay. No matter what, cause she's like a very religious lady. And I'm just like, look, I got tattoos and I'm pierced and you know, I cuss. So, but my motivation comes from being told you're never going to make it and actually be like, you know what? That's your perception, but it ain't mine. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's, uh, you know, kind of doing it for yourself, like even though that she's driven you in a way um, to kind of overcome things and strive for success, she's not the driver of that. You are, you know, you're doing that. And I oftentimes say on the podcast and then other interviews I do, it's always a you versus you battle. The biggest person you have to overcome is yourself. Yeah, and that uh, reminds me of uh, confidence and and acceptance of oneself and loving oneself. It's really important. Okay, look, confidence um, and loving myself and accepting myself does not come from you or her or him or that. It comes from me, from what I believe about myself from within out. That's where it all comes from. Like, because I could tell you that a hundred thousand million men can say. Oh, Catherine, you're the hottest woman in the world. And I'm like, what? You know, I would never believe it. Like, I would never believe it because it doesn't even matter. Because people's opinion is not what matters. My opinion about myself is what truly matters because I'm the one that has to be with me all day long. So, my point is what you believe about yourself is what is most important not what other people think they think about you you know um opinion opinion versus fact you know there's you know so my opinion about myself you know i, I took a lot of affirmations uh, positive affirmations i would uh, look at myself in the mirror and be like you're a cool chick you're smart you know you're you know you're pretty you know you're pretty you, you know whatever you're pretty yourself you don't have to be pretty to the world you just be pretty yourself and that's good enough and uh you know you're you're funny you're you're nice you're kind you know things like that so i would tell myself that in the mirror until what i started to believe it it took time it took time but yeah that's kind of like um, a little bit of my story yeah i mean it's hard to overcome and it's hard to kind of reprogram yourself if you've been told something all your life or obviously dealing with mental health issues, but I think it's an important subject to advocate for because I don't think there's enough services or enough understanding in terms of diagnosing and properly kind of understanding, you know, people with mental health issues and that a lot of people are now, even because of COVID caused, you know, they're more anxious, they're depressed, uh, they have nowhere to turn to. So figuring out how to uh, help people and not just kind of, you know, brush them aside. You know, and that makes an interesting, uh, you know, theme because, you know, my husband is the caretaker of a mentally unhealthy person. But I just put it that way, you know. And so there's a lot of people out there that are taking care of um, people that are mentally um, ill or unable or just, let's just say mentally unhealthy, okay? So, um, so for that, it's like, look, I don't know what it's like because I can't take care of a plant. All my plants die, okay? But if you are a caretaker of a mentally unhealthy, you know, unstable person whatever as long as you're not being abused please don't be abused by people by anybody nobody ever let anybody abuse you for one but you know the first couple of things that i would say is you're gonna have to um you know it's about patience tolerance um understanding compassion empathy things like that but don't let people like me 
Don't let people like me take advantage of you, okay? So we are, I can be very manipulative. <laughs> you know, I can try to get my way, and if I could get, and, and, and then I don't want nobody to enable me to, to, to continue my craziness. No, no. So, you know, if you're a caretaker, um, put your, put, put the boundaries down, you know, put your, put your foot down when, uh, when it doesn't sound like a good idea and tell them that doesn't sound like a good idea. Are you sure? Why don't we sit on it for a little while longer? You know, things like that. That's what my husband says to me. I'll be like, look, oh my God, I cannot believe you do. And then he'll be like, okay, why don't you think about it for a couple of days and see how you feel? Because I'm very, you know, impulsive and it's, it's, yeah. So I love uh, all the caretakers around the world and they deserve a really big, big hand and a big hug. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you could leave with the audience, personal or professional? Uh, Well, I feel like I've talked a lot about personal and uh, professional. It's hard because I'm I'm, I'm just, well, I would just say, um, be be nice, be kind to yourself, be kind to other people. Um, uh, I already said this, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, no bullying, no being mean, even if you are mad, no retaliation, no revenge, you know, um, be honest, be authentic, be real, be you and be okay with that. It's okay to feel feelings. Um, money is not what makes you happy. Fame is not what makes you happy. What makes, I'll say this and I'll shut up. What makes me happy is making other people happy. <laughs> So being a service to other people, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's when I feel like I'm really doing something. Because if I'm just being selfish all day long, all the time, just me, 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 my car, my things, my my life, my, I'm just like, I'm the most, most miserable. But when I'm like, well, what can I do to help you? How can we fix this problem for you? What can we, how can we? that's when I feel useful and like, I, like that's the purpose of my life and the reason why I even live. like, that's why I was given life to help others. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's like doing things for the right reasons and not having ulterior motives. And for me personally, I think I'm a, I guess, heart led entrepreneur and really being about leaving a legacy. So helping others, like you said, there's people that see others around them and just want to kind of keep them down or threatened by, you know, they're threatening my income or who I am as a person, uh, you know, how I branded myself, that kind of thing. But you're wasting just as much energy being negative versus positive. And there's plenty of stuff for everyone. So it's like building the tallest building and then just not letting everybody rise with you or being that person that's kind of the bigger person and helping those around you and kind of helping each other and lift each other up. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I'm glad that, you know, there's more people that, that share that thought as well. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Uh, sure. Okay. So I'm, I'm all over social media. So if you don't want to find me, you won't. But if you want to, I am basically known as Pink Cloud 9. That's on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Um, my real name is Catherine Salamanca, but my character name is Pink Cloud Nine, and 
I also own Pink Cloud Nine Productions, and um, uh, my email is pinkcloud9productions at gmail dot com. And <laughs> I mean, really, it's hard to not find to not find me. So I'm just you know wherever and however, and I'm all over Facebook, and mostly mostly Facebook because there's a lot of conversations in Facebook, so I love it. Mm-hmm. Awesome! Thanks again for stopping by. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.